You're listening to Discography Discussion, episode 203, Skillet. Hosted by Dan Terry. Trust me, guys, it'll be fine. And Joseph Wren. Yeah! Now it got weird. Presented by DiscussMetal.com. And if you feel like a monster and your heart is soaked in gasoline, then you are ready for this episode of Discography Discussion. I am Joe. That is Dan. We're going old school. Well, Joe, I finally did the thing that I said I was never going to do. We are talking about Skillet on Discography Discussion. Is that the only thing you said you weren't going to do? Oh, not even close. So many things. I definitely said we were never talking about The Offspring, and we did. I definitely said we would never talk about a rapper, and we did. I guess what I'm saying is, like, I'm a pretty cool guy to hang out with, but uh, don't let me make you any promises, because I am a promise breaker. Yeah, I mean, it just is what it is. It's what the people want. You so have no boundaries, dude. I want to <laughs> get this out of the way immediately. Yes, I know. Skillet is not a metal band, nor are we trying to convince you, the good listener, that they are a metal band. But I do think that they are important enough to talk about in the sense that a lot of people got into metal listening to bands like Skillet. You really think a lot of people got into metal listening to Skillet? I do. If you're 12, 13 years old and you like harder edged music and I'll go one step further, dude. If you're 12 or 13 years old and you're in youth group, you are still listening to Savior off of Collide. And you you are still being told it's the greatest song ever written. And you're listening to, you know, uh, bands like Red and probably whatever P.O.D. put out last year. I'm going to quote Sweeney Todd, hopefully once in this episode, you are young, life has been kind to you, you will learn. You will absolutely learn. Skillet is fine, dude. I've listened to Skillet. We listened to Skillet back in the day a lot more than, well, I guarantee you'll admit it on this episode. Oh, I'll admit it. I listened to a ton of Skillet back in the day. Like, so much. They have a lot of good songs. They definitely have some weak points in the middle. And you will criticize them for always sounding different, at least until recently. I'd say the past four records, they've hit a sound that they're comfortable reproducing. But back in the day, Skillet always sounded different. Every album had a new style, a new focus. That's intentional, clearly. And to quote John Cooper almost directly, that is the point. It's a ministry-focused band. They're trying to appeal to as many individuals as they can because the goal is to catch. It's not to retain, maintain. I think with Skillet, they are just one of those bands that has consistently changed and has a really interesting musical arc to talk about because... I think there's a lot of people that have heard Skillet recently that probably aren't even aware of what their origins are. Uh, I think everybody knows at this point that Skillet is a Christian rock band, uh, but that's kind of all they know. And uh, this is a band that I've been listening to pretty much since they've been a band. I wouldn't say like back in 96 I was listening, but uh, you know, I, I went through that whole youth group culture phase where everybody's like, oh, you got to check out Skillet. You know, it was, it was you listen to POD, thousand foot crutch and skillet you know those were the bands that you listened to uh unless you were like really really edgy and then you listen to like project 86 and blindside don't forget scattered few yeah and then if you were me you listen to um you know 
Zayo. So it is just kind of what it was. I definitely wasn't listening to Zayo when I was listening to Skillet. But I think that this band has a very interesting musical arc that we will uh, that we will dive right into. Uh, absolutely kind of a legacy band that has been around much longer than I think anybody gives them credit for. Well, before Dan dives right in and makes himself a vapor, I'm going to take this time to say thank you to everyone for listening to the podcast. Thank you for listening and for subscribing. If you are not a subscriber, then you can find everything discography discussion at discussmetal.com. We are on Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, twitch.tv forward slash DiscussMetalDan for all your game streams and live recording needs. So if you have an Amazon Echo or a Google Home, you have no excuse. Ask it to play the latest episode of the Discography Discussion podcast, and it will. We're also on Facebook and on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Be sure to like, favorite, and subscribe. It really helps us out. It lets us know you're listening. And now Dan is going to tell us all about five-star reviews. I am going to tell you about five-star reviews. Five-star reviews are a way to boost my confidence and make me feel like I am delivering to you the podcast that you deserve. And uh, if I'm not doing that, let me know. And uh, if I am doing that, let me know. I like it all. I like to hear it all. I like to hear, I like to hear people talk about me and the thing that I do. Blah 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 blah. Absolutely, keep sharing the episodes. Keep sending us messages. Just stay in touch. We love hearing back from you guys. It's literally one of the, my favorite things to do. It's it's easy to just talk to a wall and record it and put it out there. But having you guys join the conversations in the way that you have, uh, it has has been really 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 cool. And is is part of the reason we started doing this because we want to have a conversation with you. We don't want to talk at you. We want to talk with you. We got a tweet in reference to our Atlas episode of Discuss Metal that I sat down with John Amos, and the tweet is from John Amos, and he says, had a ton of fun talking about Atlas with Dan over at Discuss Metal. Check it out if you want to learn some stuff about the history of the band and our album Into the Sea. Definitely a lot of history in that band that I was not aware of. Uh, I even said straight up, I was like, yeah, I just know that you guys put out a record, then that was it. What was up with that? And uh, then he proceeded for 45 minutes to tell me exactly what was up with that. That record is definitely one of your favorites. We featured it on a recent Patreon review. There'll be links to that in the show notes if you guys want to check that out. $1 a month gets you into that exclusive album review feed. You ready to talk about some skillet? Oh, I am ready, man. I uh, I spent a good hour and a half cooking a whole bunch of uh, taquitos, and uh, I made the chicken for the taquitos in a skillet while listening to skillet. So I, I just wanted to get the full effect. So, Dan... Tell me about Skillet. Skillet is a Christian rock band from Memphis, Tennessee, or as John Cooper, lead vocalist of Skillet, would just like me to just call them a rock band, because let's be honest, that is what they are. Uh, But they are a ministry band, and uh, they definitely were a staple in youth group culture, probably still are a staple in youth group culture. Yes, they are. I can't imagine their popularity has waned uh, in any way. Absolutely not. (laughs) So uh, it's really interesting with this band. So they they came out in 1996 and actually got a record deal really fast. And originally, I think John Cooper and another guy whose name I can't remember right now was in the band. And they were in a different rock band. And they decided to start a new rock band with a bunch of guys uh, that were all from different bands, different projects. And they came up with the name Skillet because they're like, yeah, in a skillet, you know, if you go to Denny's and you order the skillet, it's going to have a whole bunch of like uh, different elements in it. And for them, the different elements were these guys that were all from very different bands. 
but they all came together to do this project called Skillet. Well, it didn't stay a project long when they got a record deal and they immediately needed to put a full-length record out. And that's how we end up with their debut. 1996. Skillet. It's a white background. It has a skillet on the cover and a little arrow pointing to the cooking apparatus, calling it exactly what it is. I want to be the first person on this podcast to say this. This is a horribly underrated record. I'm definitely nostalgic for it. This is an example of no matter what era of popularity the band was in, when you first heard about the band, the debut record still sounds different even than that. Like this band has a lot of different uh, influences and a lot of different eras of music, but this is such a such a drop in the pan. That's right, I said it. Uh, in that they do something wholly unique on this record that they don't really do on any of their other releases. And what do they do? Well, they play like mid-90s grunge rock on this record. Or they probably just called it rock in the 90s. I'm not sure if anybody was still saying grunge by 1996. I don't think anybody was saying grunge rock at 1996. That was yeah, this a is- mid-genre popularity word or combination of words. <laughs> Yeah, this is not like the Seattle wave of bands or anything, but these guys definitely play music kind of more in the more in the style of like a Nirvana, you know, or a Soundgarden, Soul Asylum, they, they, Soul Asylum. Yeah, they they've got like the the bare bones, you know, drums, guitar, bass, and a vocalist that sounds like they just picked him up off the street somewhere, and they're like, hey, yeah, he can kind of sing. Let's do it. Uh, John Cooper. That's not giving John Cooper enough enough credit. Uh, the dude is actually a powerhouse of a vocalist and bassist. I think that's something that's very underplayed uh, in this in this discussion is that John Cooper is an excellent rock bass player. Uh, one of the few guys that have gotten this popular that still plays his instrument live while singing. But this record is, I don't want to say it's amazing. I think Joe's right. I think it's amazingly underrated. I don't think it's the best record ever made. But I do think that I'm very nostalgic for it because, you know, there was a time where I was only allowed to listen to Christian music. So uh, this was as good. You know, if you wanted to listen to Nirvana, it's like that meme where it's all like, hey, mom, we want Nirvana. They're like, we have Nirvana at home. And it's like the Nirvana at home and it's the skillet. Right. Uh, So (laughs) so I listened to it. Right. I think that this record has some really cool songs on it that I'm going to highlight here. We've got I Can, which is the opening song. Still one of my favorite tracks by Skillet. To the point that uh, I actually interviewed John Cooper on uh, Brutally Speaking last year, or I guess two years ago now. I keep thinking last year was 2019. I got to get I got to get up with the times. But uh, when I talked to him, I straight up said, yeah, man, I've been a I've been listening to Skillet for quite a while. My first favorite Skillet song was a song called I Can. And he goes like, whoa, man, that's like really going back, (laughs) you know. Uh, But it does have a lot of the staples of Skillet in that they write incredibly catchy songs. They write songs that are very memorable. Uh, The guitar has has a decent crunch to it, at least for 96 in Christian rock. You know, Uh, it is... Really, I've heard a lot of bands try to play this style, but I feel like in a certain sense, even though, yeah, you've got Nirvana influences and stuff, 
you have an influence. This is not one of those like comparison charts of like this is the Christian Nirvana. Absolutely not. They were original enough to where these songs had their own flair to them and really had kind of a knack for John Cooper's songwriting. These guys could craft them some good catchy rock songs. And this was kind of their bread and butter for a while because they basically instantly got signed and um, started tearing it up in the local church uh, circuit. I would say probably some of their first shows were church shows. And, um, And they put it on. They put it on a great live show. They were very personable, and uh, but they were heavily, heavily, heavily ministry-oriented. And I think the only thing that I would say is weird about this album is kind of the lyrics. Because, like, yes, this is Christian rock, but it's Christian rock taken to an extent that, like, that you don't really hear all that often anymore, where this is almost a sleeping giant level of, uh, of ministry-based lyrics. Lyrics that are almost creepy if taken out of context. Um, he has a song called My Beautiful Robe where he famously sings in the chorus, I cut down a tree and I nailed myself to the wood. Like, it's uh, it's really, really intense. Uh, and uh, they just, I don't know, man. Like, they, they just have such weird, uh, weird song titles like Promise Blender where he's like, I am a promise maker. I am a promise breaker. I'm a promise blender. Uh, so that was uh, in case... In case you guys couldn't tell what thing we were doing up at the top of the episode, <laughs> uh, you know, about breaking promises. But, like, I do think that, like, yeah, I'm super nostalgic for this record. I think it's wholly unique out of their whole discography. But I guess the reason everybody's here is, do I think it's good? I definitely think this record is good. There are a list of bands I could throw in the bag, shake it up, and... Those would be your influences if you were writing new songs in 1996. There was a time where people were unfairly or fairly, in some cases, compared to any band that came out of Seattle in the early 90s, late 80s. Cosmetically, this record sounds like a very solid 1996 rock release. It has that dry simple production it doesn't have a lot of reverb going on but it also doesn't sound like a cassette tape piece of shit it doesn't sound like something that was recorded bad on purpose you have clever songwriting you have good riffs not riffs in the chunk beef way but rock riffs that you're going to play along with if you're 15 and you're learning guitar for the first time so much wah pedal. Absolutely. So much wah pedal. Uh, yeah, I think overall, I think it's good too. I think it's good as a debut. I realize that there are people out there that, you know, are like, oh, I don't know, man, the lyrics are a little heavy handed, a little too much Jesus. Uh, but I mean, at this point, you probably aren't listening to Skillet at all. I mean, this is just what they are about. And this is an important theme that we're going to revisit later that. This band isn't trying to be anything that they're not in the sense that, like, they are a lot of things, but they don't have a shtick. I don't think that the Jesus stuff is a shtick. I think it is 100% what these guys were passionate about and what they were what they were into, what their driving force was. Um, not all that different than some of the stuff we said about the original Zao, you know, the original Eric Reader Zao. This was their thing, and they were genuine about it. 
And this is the this record is the result of that. We genuinely wanted to write an album of rock songs about Jesus instead of I think what the what the trope is where a company says or a church says, okay, you have to do this yes. right now. Right. How do we get yeah, they're not like how do we get uh how do we get kids into Jesus? Oh, well we have to create this rock band because kids like rock bands, right? I think in Skillet, this was a case of, hey, we're a rock band. We love being a rock band. And and also, we, we, we are also really, really into Jesus. You know, so like, and I think that's an important distinction to make that this is, this is just something that they wanted to do. This was not something that they were coerced into doing uh, in order to get, you know, to, to save the youth of America through rock music. Um, and so it's yeah this thing kind of stands out as a little bit of a hidden gem not to steal metal jesus's stick uh, but like it's definitely um it's a good record it's a lot of fun if you're in if you're into mid-90s rock it's 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 a definitely a fun listen and if you've listened to skillet for any amount of time it does not sound like what you're expecting i think this album is underrated it's one of my favorites i'm can't say it's my favorite skillet record but it's one of my favorite albums because everything that i put up with when everyone around me wanted to listen to skillet there are songs that i like there are songs that are just not that good but you had to tolerate that i don't think this record is a record you have to tolerate you're going to like it because it has good songs and it really doesn't miss no, not really. And it doesn't have it actually doesn't have a lot of the shortcomings that we're going to talk about with some of their later releases. It's interesting that the debut was this strong and then you kind of start moving into some weird territory as we go on. Let's get weird then. 1998. Hey you. I love your soul. Who who me? My soul? You love it? Uh, okay. Well, uh okay. So <laughs> this is one of the weirdest stylistic changes that you would just not have seen coming. If you had, if you had bought the debut Skillet record uh, in 1996, and you're like, "Yep, this is Skillet. They're my new favorite rock band." And then they're like, "Yeah, we we are a rock band, but you know what else we are? We're an electronic band." And then you're kind of like, "Wait a minute, what?" And so <laughs> this is not like industrial music necessarily i think that they do eventually get there but uh this is not really industrial this is just like um it's kind of like the later power man 5000 albums where it's a rock band like there's still a rock band like that band that put out that 1996 skillet album is still in there somewhere or maybe they're not i know there were some lineup changes in between which probably explains a little bit of it away but uh your your primary your principal songwriter is still there so what you have really is you don't have an electronic rock album. You have a rock band that threw some electronics down on top of their stuff. I think this is actually before the Corey Cooper, Marilyn Manson influences snuck in. Oh, yeah? <laughs> well, every uh, source I'm maybe. looking at says this is still a trio in 1998. That's interesting. That does not mean that they didn't have studio influences, but yeah, dude, the personnel... It's the same three. Same three guys that made the self-titled Skillet gave okay. you Hey You, I Love Your Soul. Well, that's interesting then. 
Yeah, because it looks like Corey Cooper didn't come in until after the record was out. Correct. And okay. Corey Cooper snuck in some very less than Christian influences, depending on who you ask. Yeah, because I mean, at this point, we're, we're, we're reaching on just pure speculation territory. Absolutely. There are things that might be, and then there are things John Cooper has said in interviews. <laughs> I think it's interesting because I feel like the chorus game is still very much on point. But they definitely go into more of an alternative rock direction here with electronics peppered in. And I and I think for 1998, and to be honest, I'm not 100% sure what was going on in popular music in 98 because, you know, Blood and Fire came out in 98. I'm just kidding. I don't really, I wasn't <laughs> listening to Blood and Fire in 98. But, like, I will tell you that, like, this band felt like they, that the sound that they were playing on the previous record was antiquated. And this is, in a certain sense, attempt to... Uh, to modernize to play something that's a little bit more pop people are going to think that the electronics are cool and this is a time too where bands like orgy were starting to come up and you know another band that i described as as having electronic influences uh on top of a rock band so i would say on this record you're still mostly uh you're still mostly rock band but you have all of these effects thrown onto john cooper's voice You've got um, kind of these more electronic soundscapes thrown in there, some of the more artificial sounding drums. And uh, overall, it's just a very weird record. Uh, it's lyrically kind of cringe. I mean, I feel like, hey, you, I love your soul. That's going to be a hard sell if you're, if you're, if the person, if the people that you're trying to aim this at are non believers, they're going to like, probably not be totally down with a record that's so overtly hey i love your soul um but i mean at the same time too some people might have thought this is a weird name for a record i guess i'll check it out hey dan look what i found in the five dollar bin you put that crap back right now uh yeah it's a weird record i, I mean there, there's really not a whole lot to say about it it's it is not my favorite skillet record that sounds like this it definitely sounds more like what you would be listening to in 1998 if you were listening to alternative radio stations nine hours a day. A little bit less this, more new metal, but you get the point. There was a point in the 90s where everything was electronic and supposed to sound like DJs had laid their hands on it, even though it was just programmed drums, and it had that European pop sound. That's all it was. It was great. We loved it. We still listen to those songs and get nostalgic about how great the 90s music was, even though it wasn't that great, but there were standout players, if that makes any sense. It's not the yeah. best Skillet record. I don't like the songs on this one. I really am not nostalgic for any of them, and I have a hard time this early in the discography picking out one song to go back to for the record. I really can't say there's a reason I pick up Hey You, I Love Your Soul and listen to it. I like the title track okay, and I think mostly because of kind of just the ridiculousness of it. Um, and it's weird because, like, lyrically, I feel like it still does fit in with some of the weirdness that was on the first Skillet record. But at, at the same time, like, this is not great. This is kind of a weird birthing pain. It's a weird left turn that they took after having a more stripped-down rock sound. Um, and it's a left turn that they're going to stay on for a while. And I don't necessarily think it, it was the best move for the band, but I can tell you that if you like the concept of an electronic skillet, they will deliver that in a much more palatable fashion uh, as they, as they go on. 
Uh, but this is still uh, this is odd. But I have to I have to make mention of something here. This is a period in the history of Skillet where I feel like they were uncompromisingly creative. Uh, it didn't always hit, like that's for sure. It didn't always hit, but they were legitimately experimenting with what they could do and trying to find their voice and trying to find their sound. And yeah, unfortunately, it's uh, it doesn't come across very well on this record. Um, but they're, I think they decided like, okay, we're going to stick with these electronics and we're just going to try to do a better, a little bit better of a job at it next time. 2000 Invincible. So this was the, this was the period of time that I was introduced to Skillet. Corey's here. Yep. Corey's here. Um, this is a purely, I, I don't I don't want to like throw the word industrial rock on it, but I guess that's basically what it is. If you look at the cover of the record, um, the band basically look, is doing their best orgy impression. Um, <laughs> like 100%, they look just like, again, this is one of those, hey, mom, I want to listen to orgy. No, we have orgy at home. Orgy the band, right? Not orgy Caligula? Yes, to clarify, I'm talking about orgy the band. Um, but yeah, it's just, again, it's that, it's that same meme where it's like, hey, mom, I want to listen to orgy. Well, we have orgy at home. And then orgy at home is invincible by Skillet. Uh and again, this is such a sincere, like, experimentation for them because they've definitely gone more electronic here than rock band. I mean, the guitars are still there, but uh, this is, you would never listen to this and say rock band. You would think like, oh, this is them trying to be the Christian orgy or, you know, uh, the Christian gravity kills or, you know, something along those lines. For at least the first 10 years of their discography, the impression that I get is Skillet, being a ministry-focused band, decided it would be a good idea to write an album that sounded like whatever was popular on the radio that year. And their subsequent releases were always one to two years behind when you heard that on the radio for the first time. There's nothing wrong with that, but... It doesn't sound like 2000 to me. It sounds like 1999, 1998. It sounds like they're picking up and following along with what is already on the page 100% intentionally. Yeah. And it's outrageously positive sounding. That's the thing that I that I've always noticed about Skillet. This like the first record, this record, Hey You I Love Your Soul. They're very very upbeat and positive sounding which I think is going to turn your fans of harder music off to a certain degree. It certainly did put me off. Uh, I remember a buddy of mine gave me this and uh, Drawing Black Lines by Project 86. Uh, so which one do you think I listened to more, you know, as an angsty teen? Gee, let me think uh, about it for a second. Yeah. Um, does this album have a song called Play On? It does not. I think you were listening to Drawing Black Lines then. Um, because, I mean... Uh, John Cooper was a cool vocalist, like a cool rock vocalist. I don't think anybody's denying that. Uh, but he was no Andrew Schwab, you know, as far as angst <laughs> and uh, and that sort of thing goes. So, like, yeah, I gravitated towards, you know, kind of the harder music. Uh, whereas Skillet always kind of came across to me as just kind of this weird band that people, people that liked other bands that I liked, liked. And so I felt like I needed to spend more time with Skillet. And um, so I didn't spend a lot of time with Invincible the first year, but it's in, in the year since it's kind of grown on me. Um, 
I like I like how catchy it is, and sometimes I just want to feel positive as an adult. And so this is kind of a weird like I get to hear electronics, like an electronic rock sound, but it doesn't have like all the darkness in it that a lot of other bands do. And you know, you guys know I'm all about the evil and darkness, but um, I don't know. This this record was so positive that it turned me off as an angsty teen, and it wasn't until I got older that I appreciated it. And I do think also this is still, again, a sincere attempt to be creative. They come up with some of their most creative ideas. They shift dynamics almost a little too jarringly at times. Um, You can can have a song like uh, Invincible, which is kind of like a more like almost like a Power Man 5000 sort of like, I'm invincible and all that. But then you have a song like Come On to the Future, which is just like, unicorns and rainbows flying through the sky you know on a sunny day sort of sort of change so like it's they i feel like they were never really good at at blending their elements together uh on these records it's like it it, it comes off as very okay we're gonna try this thing okay now we're gonna try this thing okay now we're gonna try this okay now we're gonna try this okay cool oh did we get to 10 oh we got to 10 oh, okay well i guess cut it and put it out you know <laughs> um and that's not that's not giving them a ton of credit but like I do think that as skilled as songwriters as they are, I think their chorus game is absolutely some of the best in the industry, but uh, even at this juncture in their career. But I do think that like, if the goal is to reach people, you almost kind of have the opposite effect when you come in super positive like they do, because people that are down and out are already down and out. So when somebody comes in all bright and cheerful, my reaction is to have nothing to do with that person. And so they don't really have the angst here that a band like this needs in order to actually relate to somebody on a personal level. And I think they realize that. Are we ready for Alien Youth? God, I guess. 2001. And yes, I started with Vapor. Yeah, let's. I always skip the first track. Alien Youth has some of the most cringeworthy Christian rock lyrics on it that I've ever heard in a song. When you start your song off with worldwide Jesus domination, uh, that's rough, man. I, I don't. I don't even know what to say to that. There, there, I, I know what you meant, John, but I don't think everybody was going to necessarily know what you meant or interpret it the way you think that it was going to be interpreted. And that's fine. I say dumb stuff all the time too. But like this was, this was not amazing as far as that goes. Um, Alien Youth comes off as like a song that you would hear uh, off of uh, off of Invincible. But one thing that I do like about this record is that the guitar is back in full force. This is the first time you really get a full force guitar out of Skillet. If yeah the previous albums have a discernible flaw that I can call out the guitars are thin on Skillet that works it makes sense but if you're a fan of this band back in 2001 the one thing it's lacking is a little bit of beef in the guitars guys and you get that here don't quote me because I can't find the interview that I read probably 15 years ago where each record was talked about with the band but the over the top synthesizers and sometimes direct guitar sounds that you get on this that was Corey listening to Marilyn Manson saying this is what we're going to do next guys and I hate to say it if you heard none of the other material this kind of works 
but it doesn't oh, yeah. work a hundred percent of the time. We're already not recording albums of songs, but we're trying our best to hit as much as we can. And Vapor is one of the few hits on this one. I agree with you. I think Alien Youth has one fatal flaw. There's too many worshipy CCM style songs on it. Because one of my favorite songs, you know, in addition to Vapor, which I think is probably one of the strongest on the record, uh, there's a song called Eating Me Away. It starts off dark. It sounds angsty. Um, John Cooper actually sounds angsty on this record for probably the first time. Now we're not getting that super positive vibe. We're getting a little bit more of that Marilyn Manson type of like talking deep and, you know, you know, but then he, he, he can be, you can be down in the depths of despair with John Cooper and his weird industrial complex and, and all this stuff. And it sounds dark and it sounds gritty and it sounds very much on par with what they've been going for. I think since probably invincible where they're trying to make a legit industrial rock slash metal type record. And then he comes in with a chorus that's just like I said, nobody can top John Cooper's chorus game. The guy is one of the best out there as far as being able to deliver in a chorus that genuinely makes you feel good when you're listening to it. So they play with that darkness and light dynamic really well on this record, but they don't do it enough. For every banger on this album, there is two worshipy acoustic CCM style songs. Uh, And that really, really drags it down for me. Especially, uh, well, there's only one that I'll note, uh, a worship song called The Thirst Is Taking Over that I think is really, really well done. And I think that if they had loaded this record up with more songs like Vapor and uh, Eating Me Away, Kill Me, Heal Me, um, Ripping Me Off is just pure cringe. Uh, But like, if if they loaded it up with heavier songs like this and then threw just the one worship song on there and it was Thirst Is Taking Over, I think it would be a much better record because I tried really hard to like Alien Youth because there were songs on there that were genuinely good and then but like you know when you have a song like Vapor or like Eating Me Away which just they they 100% nail but then you see them fail hard in songs like Alien Youth or Ripping Me Off and you're like oh they we're this many albums in and they're still figuring it out like they're still trying to figure out how to how to how to make that sound work and um and i have to make a special note that this is on the record live when this band would play during this era of the band you would come out you would come away from it thinking they were the loudest most intense rock band that you'd ever seen in your life these guys could destroy a stage are they still figuring it out or are they doing the christian rock thing where you can be heavy, but you can't be too heavy. And I'm talking about the manufactured kind. The kind where it always has to have a happy ending. And yes, I know that's the point, but you know what I'm talking about. You take it to 11, don't just stay there. You got to bring it back down. You got to balance it out, guys. Yeah, and I think that that is one of the interesting things about Skillet is that, you know, and I, I, I tried talking to John Cooper about this, but our... Our interview, we, we had a very strict time limit, so I'm, unfortunately I didn't get to ask him all of my 8,000 questions. Uh, but that's one of those things where I almost want to say, and I could be totally speaking out of turn here, but I want to say the record label had more to do with Skillet's creative direction at this point. Because I think you hear songs like Vapor, 
and then you hear some of the later stuff that when Skillet wasn't like necessarily in the Christian music industry anymore, the kind of stuff that they did once they were freed from kind of that. Uh, I think that John Cooper wanted to write these heavy, loud, fast rock songs. And I think the labels, because a lot of times the labels are publicly traded companies or maybe they're privately owned by private investors or whatever. And these are all parents of kids that are like, yeah, I, I like that you guys have the Christian rock out there for the kids to listen to. Uh, but, you know, we there has to be something about your record that distinguishes it as religious or, quote, or, or as I like to say, safe, safe for youth group kids to listen to. Absolutely. And even though there are times on this record where Skillet skirts the line with that, um, you know, I don't feel like they were necessarily allowed the pure creative freedom uh, that maybe they should have been given. And so they're like, yeah, well, you have to have worship songs. You know, and I understand why, because like you play the worship songs on your CCM radio stations and then you throw vapor on like a Christian rock station. You know, um, if you're lucky, you might even get it on secular rock station, but probably not. Not not this year. Not this band, you know. You record a live record of praise and worship acoustic songs because we're skillet. That's what we do. And I don't think that those songs are insincere. Absolutely uh, I think not. They're exactly what they're supposed what they wanted to be. But this is uh, the part where the band plays as many different ways to get your attention. The goal is to get your attention, but it's not insincere. It's just frustrating as a listener. And I'm glad we're at the point in the discography. 2003. Dan, are you ready for them to almost get a perfect score? Yes. Should I start with track one or track two? Track one. All right, then. Collide. This is the skillet you wanted. This is. And it's weird because you didn't know you wanted it. Because I remember thinking after Alien Youth, like, okay, because I'd seen them live a couple times and they were playing this song called Energy that they were like, this is going to be off our new record. So a couple of things change. So, you know, your, your main keyboardist in the band picks up a guitar and now you're a two guitar band. John Cooper's doing all these interviews with people and he's like, here's the thing. You know, I'm we're, we're out touring with bands or we're, we're playing shows with bands like P.O.D., that are significantly harder than what we're playing. Um, and you've got these guys getting up on stage and giving these testimonies about how, like, you know, their their parents walked in on them ODing on drugs or they were committing suicide and they were da-da-da-da-da. And he goes, I always just felt like if we were going to reach people that are in that place in life, then we have to also be able to be relatable uh, in that regard and reach out to people there. People like that aren't going to listen to Alien Youth. They're not going to listen to Invincible, but they'll, they might listen to Collide. And I think that's what's interesting is you've dropped the electronics, at least in an obvious way. So this is, again, a, a very like 180 genre switch where they're like, okay, we started as a rock band. We're going to go back to being a rock band. And so you, you, you get this dual guitar attack and a guitar tone that even to this day, Skillet has never really been able to reproduce. Um, this is the crunchiest, heaviest Skillet record ever. Like it, it is, and it's interesting that this is where, this is where they kind of were not necessarily. I don't remember if they had switched labels, or I think they put this out on the original label they were on, 
and then another label picked them up. I think that was Lava Records, which was a subsidiary of uh, Atlantic Records. That's how you get open wounds. That's how you get open wounds, right? Because my original version of Collide doesn't have open wounds on it. Uh, but I think there's really no way to to describe this because it's so different than what, everything we've been talking about up to this point. John Cooper comes in with, with his famous gravelly delivery, but he doesn't sound super positive. He doesn't sound super stoked to be there. He actually sounds sounds kind of mad, kind of angsty, kind of upset. Uh, screams, does actual, you know, harsh vocal screams uh, on some of the songs, which I think nobody was... Again, you can't listen to that self-titled Skillet album and tell me that it, by 2003, this guy's going to be screaming over heavy guitars. You just don't think that. Now, when we say heavy, obviously what we mean is this is outrageously world-annihilatingly heavy for Skillet. <laughs> Absolutely. The songs are there this time. This record opens with Forsaken. Has the hook. It has the riff. It has the beef. But then it sneaks in some acoustic elements that weren't really there before. There's electronic implications on this record, but nothing like Vapor. Nothing like Invincible. We're not going back to that today, guys. I think Skillet was listening to Seven Dust because Seven Dust is the band I point at. Whenever a band has heavy grooves, overwhelmingly hammer fist on the ground guitars, but then you got to sneak in the acoustic. And keep in mind, you have a singer who can sing a chorus better than your favorite singer can. It so fucking works this time, dude. It works. It all. It all. It's that. It's that. It's that lightning in a bottle moment, where it was the right year, it was the right mindset, and the songs were there. The songs were a hundred percent there. You're not allowed to make a skillet playlist. You have to pick the albums that work as themselves. This is the first time since the self-titled I can really say this one works. This was great. I mean, this was when I didn't feel weird telling people that I like skillet. This anymore. is also the record that you're still going to hear if you go to youth group. Just saying. Oh, yeah. Um, Savior was a huge hit for them. And I think it's hilarious, too, that like only Skillet is Skillet's the only band that can write a chorus like what you want or what you got, what you need, going to be your savior. Um, they're the only band that can get away with that and not immediately be just completely like ignored by people. This was their this was their breakthrough. Well, this was the beginning of their breakthrough. And I think it's interesting, too, because I think this record is aimed at the Seven Dust fan. It's aimed at the Linkin Park fan. It's it's aimed at kids that like new metal, but new metal hasn't been cool for two years. And so this isn't quite that. You know, there's nobody rapping over DJ scratches on this. Um, but like the mindsets there, the, the the second wave new metal bands. Melodic, you know, like hard rock and heavy. Yes. That's what they're doing. And they nailed it. I said earlier, do you want to hear them almost get a perfect score? It's not for trying, dude. Upper yeah. echelon of the 90%. Like, this is a solid listen. If you just put it on today, just listen to it. If you haven't listened to Collide because, man, I don't want to listen to Skillet, just listen to Collide, guys. Come on. I, I would I would even go as far as to say that if you're going to listen to one Skillet album, listen to Collide. This is the one? 
This is the one. If you're going to only listen to one record by this band, this is the one that you want to start with. So that makes talking about this next record a little hard. Can we just keep talking about Collide? We'll just go on for two hours about Collide and then be like, all right, guys, tune in for part two and then never release it. Yeah, dude. My obsession Um, is this album, right? My obsession is a great song. I'll give it that. 2006. Comatose. And for the very first time this year, in 2021, I'm going to make this analogy. Comatose is like if Collide was a glass of water, and you took that glass of water and you poured it out all over the kitchen floor. The water that's on the kitchen floor is comatose. Uh, Are all the same elements there? Absolutely. But you start noticing almost immediately that on Collide, the guitars are there. They're, They're playing absolutely the same genre that they were playing on Collide. But the guitars are a little bit muted. That guitar tone that I was talking about earlier is a little bit less. It's not gone. Still heavier than, you know, anything on it off of Invincible or anything like that. It's there, but they've doubled down really hard on the orchestration uh, with the ba- with the female backing vocals. Um, and honestly, the very first song, Rebirthing, I was like, all right, they did it. This is it. The whole record's going to sound like this. It's not as beefy and as typical, it was before, but this is all right. And in typical Skillet fashion, they don't maintain it. They just don't maintain it. You go from Rebirthing, which is a much, which is kind of a heavier song, um, and then they go right into the Last Night, which totally changes the dynamic. It's a slower kind of rocker or whatever, and it is what it is, you know. Then you go and then you immediately go into the acoustic-driven Yours to Hold, and I'm like, okay, come on, guys, like you've killed the momentum. You didn't do that in Collide. This record should have been sequenced differently. I think Skelet was listening to Coheed and Cambria this year. Or uh, two years prior. I'm not going to say anything to support that. Um, it's melodic. It's rock. It goes heavy on the orchestration. You have the male-female vocal dynamic going on. I'm not saying it's a good point. I'm just saying what was popular. It's, a, it's 2006, it's, dude. It's a point that you made. Uh, and then, you know, I thought we were over this after I heard Collide. I never thought that anything would be super cringy. And then you hear the song Better Than Drugs. Oh, God. I was hoping you wouldn't bring this up. Oh, well, we're doing the episode, so you know I'm bringing it up. Uh, Better Than Drugs is the most cr- is the most cringeworthy moment in modern Skillet. Um, just because, like, it's, again, the chorus delivery is immaculate. Because is John Cooper singing it? Yes. Then, then, then he is owning that chorus. But I don't know, man. You're better than drugs. I, just the way he says it, like addicted for life. Fear you coming on so coming on so fast. Here, see you coming to get me high. It's just, it's cringeworthy in the sense that I'm like, have you ever done drugs? Now I'm not advocating that doing drugs is good, but what I am advocating is like, I don't know how good of a comparison it is, and for some reason, it comes off as so pure cheese. And something so much like something a Christian rock band would say in the early 2000s <laughs> that, that that I can't get past it. Uh, I feel like they really fumbled the ball on that song. We found the um, point that Dan considers unacceptable. Up to this point, you can make all the metaphors you want. But as soon as you cross that line into controlled illegal substances, I have issues, sir. 
Yeah, I mean, it might be kind of douchey. And this is also a point in, as far as record sales and what my opinion is, where this is where they don't really line up because this record was a massive success for Skillet. Yes, it was. And, and I understand why, because it's a little bit more mainstream. I would say Collide was probably the most, uh, the most aimed at a singular audience that they've ever done in the sense that it was honed in on one specific audience. We want the kids that are wearing Deftone shirts to listen to our album. On Comatose, you see them flirting more with the idea of like, well, we'll do some heavier rock songs, but then we'll do some slower acoustic-y ones. We'll do a couple of pop songs, we'll do a couple of rock songs. And they're, they're kind of back to um, maybe the original concept of a skillet, which is combining multiple ingredients into one and seeing how it comes out. But the last record was so good, and this one only like three or four songs that I, I really enjoy listening to, and that's um, that's just hard to swallow for me. Um, I thought that they were on a really good tra trajectory with Collide, and this record is just more of like, a, okay, so you guys are kind of like fumbling around finding what the thing to do next is. But I mean, I think more or less they found it because the plan absolutely worked. They did appeal to a larger audience. This is when, this is when Skillet isn't just headlining Winter Jam every year anymore. This is when Skillet is actually going on tour with like other, like 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 going on tour with like mainstream bands and actually being in the secular music industry and really pulling no punches about what kind of band they are, what their ministry is, what their goal is. That's never changed. But the musical output is largely inconsistent in comparison to their most recent release. 2009, Awake. You gonna say it? This album has one really good song on it. This is butt rock. <laughs> it is butt rock. They, they did it. <laughs> they they went full butt rock. Never go full butt rock. Uh, it's fine. I mean, it's it's hard for me as a metalhead to sit there and objectively listen to a record like this and, and just say, like, yeah, I think it's really good, guys, uh, because I don't. like it, It's like sandpaper, like listening to something like this. But I'm going to try to be as objective as possible. Monster is probably the biggest Skillet song. Like, beyond, beyond a shadow of a doubt, if they don't play this song live, people want their money back, you know? Monster is an absolute earworm. And to steal a page out of Roach Coach's book, is this the bodies of Christian rock? I would have told you that was Savior. And I think if you go to church, it still is. But Monster, it's as good as any single Papa Roach has released in the past 10 years. It's I agree just with that. a band now. That's fine, guys. You can just be a band. And I know... I'm not talking to them. I'm talking to everybody that puts them in the box. You're a Christian rock band. You have to be appealing to everyone, the kids. You cannot change. Put this out. But you need more than one per record. Yeah, and like the sequencing problems that I have had with the with this release and the previous one. You go off of a song like Monster, which is just Monster's like two minutes and 58 seconds. It's just a tight three-minute radio song and then you follow it up with don't wake me which is a super slow ballady type song it's just it does not deliver on the promise of a song like monster like yeah it might be butt rock and that's fine 
But there's plenty of bands I like that are butt rock now, like his legend, you know, like I, it's fine. But for every monster or awake and alive, you get a song like Don't Wake Me. And it's just, it's the same thing I've been complaining about since Alien Youth, that you can't just find something good and stick with it. You feel the need to always go in all of these different directions. And I don't think that it really works for you. But what do I know? That record went platinum. So, like, who cares? Who cares what I think? Obviously, I'm wrong. I don't know anything about music. Uh, because Awake was, like, the biggest Skillet album. Might still be the biggest Skillet album. This is one of those times where I think about how we got here as metal and hard rock fans. There was that time in the late 80s, early 90s, where your favorite heavy metal band or hair metal band would release a fairly decent album and it would have some memorable songs on it but that wasn't what was popular was it there was this thing called the power ballad and every band had to have one and if you believe some interviews it was always the third thing that you heard on the radio it was the third single it was the third song on the album it worked, guys. This is 2009. I think Skillet knows their audience. I also think Nickelback knows their audience. It's the same audience. It just doesn't work when I'm listening to this. One song is not enough to sell an album, but it's enough to sell records because that's what they did. They only got to hit one home run and... You don't have to play any of the other songs live. You have a playlist. If you want to make a playlist of the good Skillet songs, they're there. You're going to be here a while when you listen to it. It just doesn't hit as much as it needs to for me. Are we ready for Rise? I am ready for Rise, and this was actually... So obviously in my listening history, I had not really listened to Skillet very much uh, after, probably after Collide, if I'm being totally honest. Um... Uh, and so whenever we decided to do this episode, it's kind of like, I wonder what Skillet's been up to for the past 10 years. And I was actually pleasantly surprised by Rise that they actually followed kind of the, like, how do we make a record that has more songs like Monster on it? You know, like, how do we, how do we get that lightning in a bottle again and keep it? And Rise actually comes off as a fairly competent record as far as as far as like the band being a legit like heavy rock band this one doesn't seem quite as tropey um it seems a little bit more focused they're focusing on trying to hit that home run again and i don't think that there are any songs on rise that are as good as monster but i'm more willing to listen to songs like not gonna die or circus for a psycho uh they're they're a lot more palatable for me it sounds like we're putting effort into every song instead of trying our best and hitting a home run. This one, we're putting time into the songs. We're not going too far with the electronics or failing to embrace what we are. The band is a four-piece at this point. You have plenty of tools in the toolbox. Keyboards are covered, guitars are covered, and you have a built-in pairing to go point-counterpoint with male-female vocals. 
that works in 2013. That wasn't something you heard everywhere. And I appreciate that this sounds like there was more care put into the production of the record. Yeah, and I would imagine they probably wrote like 30 or 40 songs for this one and then really picked out which ones they thought would go the best cohesively together. Um, I've heard John Cooper complain in interviews about how many songs they have to write for each record and then, uh, you know, how hard it is to pick, (laughs) you know, which ones to actually include. Uh, He's like, oh, yeah, he's like, I've written hundreds of songs. He's like, I've written so many more songs than you've heard, (laughs) you know. And, uh, and I believe that 100 percent that the dude that the dude's just a machine, you know. Uh, but yeah, I think they did they did a really good job with Rise, and I was actually pretty surprised by it. it like it's still it's still butt rock, it's still it's still uh, pop rock, I guess a little bit. But there's a word that my wife always uses to describe Skillet, and that is arena. They, Skillet is the modern arena rock band. They're trying so they really hard to, to be that. Yes. I think they're succeeding because like you said, they don't have to play all of these songs in a live setting. They only have to pick a few off of each record and, uh, and, and make that set list. And the songs that they're going to pick are the ones that have loud, repeatable shout along choruses. And they capitalized on that really, really well on rise. Um, so I would say I don't feel as good about it as I felt about collide. I think Collide's an example of that that was the first time where their musical output aligned with my tastes a little bit better, Uh, whereas this one I'm trying to be objective and say, yes, they did a very good job on it. It's not the kind of thing that I would probably spend time listening to, but if I went and saw it live, I'd probably be into it. I'd probably be shouting the choruses along as well and having a great time. 2016. Unleashed. Unleashed in the East. Great Judas Priest concert. If you've never listened to Unleashed in the East, you need to. This is not the skillet record for me, but well, you don't, it's you got don't like some undefeated? fucking hits on it, dude. I'll say it. They you don't like Undefeated? Embraced <laughs> the very popular R&B influence and threw it on top of whatever skillet does that year. I'm not going to say it doesn't work. Just not what I'm here for. And not what I was expecting in 2016 from skillet. Maybe I'm not paying attention to my own rules. This is absolutely what you're going to get from Skillet in 2016. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, 100%. And, like, I'm okay with it. I thought this was a very enjoyable record to listen to. Uh, in the sen- like, Especially while I was cooking dinner, I was like, you know, I think they've, they, they've started to figure out some of the sequencing issues that they've had in the past. And so you're not getting records that are as uneven. They're, they're, they're still... I still feel like part of me that they are still trying to write monster you know they're still trying to find that formula that made that so good but um i don't know i appreciate that it sounds good i think the issue that a lot of people have because like i mean if i bring up if i bring up skillet in a christian metal form immediately everybody's like they're not metal they're not it's like yeah okay well you know fair enough but um people call them like the nickelback of christian rock and stuff like that and i i honestly like think that their diversity alone makes them not that uh, i think that these guys first of all john john cooper versus chad kroger in a sing-off john cooper's gonna win every single time it's like the world's most unfair fist fight you know <laughs> like um john cooper is outrageously diverse as a vocalist and um i think that like even though what they're doing isn't heavy 
I think I'm an idiot for expecting that. So if I'm going to get upset about that, then I'm going to get upset about that. But like, I think for what they are and what they're doing, they're doing exactly what you said, Joe. They are following what they think is the popular thing that year. And it might seem disingenuous, but at this point, they do have their own established sound. It's just that the sound that they landed on is not really what I would have preferred to hear. But again, I doubt that was a major concern in their songwriting process. It definitely was not. I thought they had a sound in 2003. Apparently, they decided their sound was 2009. And no complaints. If you want to add modern R&B elements to your music in 2016, go for it, John. Skillet has been around long enough. They can do what they want. They've been doing whatever they want the whole time, but I think their fans expect this out of them, this slight modern change, but I'm with you. We have Monster, and that's what we're aiming for. Is it time for Victorious? Oh, it's time. 2019 victorious it's a great song by panic at the disco it's got that r&b flair thing going on he's dancing about being victorious wait this isn't that no this is not that uh this is uh this is oh we're legendary on this one this is a skillet this is probably one so i listened to this album back in 2019 uh because i had to listen to it before doing the interview with john or else what we were going to talk about this was the record that he uh that he was promoting at the time and um, so I listened to it, and it was it, it was shocking to me because, like I said, the last probably the last thing that I'd really heard by Skillet up to that point was like comatose, and um, I was surprised at just how different they sounded than than what I was expecting. And um, I think listening to it now for this show, I'm not as surprised. <laughs> um, I mean, just go listen to This Is the Kingdom. They, they're 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 an arena rock type of band. I mean, they're they're a pop band at this point, and I think they're still absolutely killing it, but I absolutely do miss the heavy guitars and the more raw. I don't even, I don't know if this band's ever been raw, except for maybe on the first record. Uh, but like, I don't know. I don't know what to say about it. Like, I don't hate it. I think it's I think it's very representative of what Unleashed was. It's just a more modern update to Unleashed at this point. Every year now, or every two years, we're going to get an album by Skillet that is going to sound like John Cooper singing on it, and it's going to have some guitars, and but it's mostly just going to be like radio rock. Let me tell you why you don't like this record. They hinted at it on Unleashed, but now they're fucking doing it. I have frequent conversations with songwriters, not going to name names, but people that write songs for a living. This record and the opening track is a great example. Skillet is finally doing the millennial whoop. You know the millennial whoop. Oh yeah, I do. You know exactly what I'm talking about. That's why you don't like it. Because now, Discuss Metal Dan is not taking the band seriously. I appreciate how long the band has been around and I appreciate all the hard work. I liked watching them grow from being this weird Christian rock band that some friends introduced me to into becoming one of the biggest bands in the world. I appreciate all of that. But I just can't I can't 
I can't bring myself to appreciate. Whoa, 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 whoa. Like, I just, I can't. From Skillet. From Skillet, yeah. It's just. It's fine if Lady Gaga does it. Right. But you're not happy with this one. Not, I'm not really into it as much, but it's fine. Whatever they want to do is fine up to this point. Um, I'm not really a fan anymore. Uh, and that's all I really have to say about it. It's it's not it's a far cry from from where they started, but this is not like an in flames meltdown where I'm like, what did you you how did you go from this to this and this and this this? I know exactly how they went from this to this. I know exactly how they went from the 1996 uh, self titled record all the way up to Invincible Alien Youth. I understand how they went from Alien Youth into Collide. I understand how they went from from Comatose into Awake. I understand all of that. Uh, but it doesn't mean that I like it. If this one came up on shuffle, I would sit and listen to it. I wouldn't complain. But if I had to listen to this on repeat, I'd have to move on. If I want to listen to Skillet, I have records that I can pull out of my collection that I'm going to enjoy. Maybe that's nostalgia. Maybe that's what they sounded like. In 2019, Skillet continues their trend, their strategy of we adapt to what is popular and we roll with it. That's fine. I expect this band to sound like this in 2019. I'm just not here to listen to this in 2019. I don't hate it, but it's not for me. I'm not the target. I'm not even the target of the bands that never stopped playing this style. It's fine. It's okay. Final thoughts on Skillet. Dan. I think Skillet has had a very interesting career. They've gone in a lot of different directions. Some expected, some totally not expected. I think that they have spent so much time crafting exactly what it takes to be a band that can sell well. And because they've always been a ministry-minded band, that's absolutely what the goal was from the beginning. Reach as many people as possible. And they're doing that. So I can't really hate on it. Um, and I, I don't want people to think that I am being negative about the later records because because they're not heavy. Like, because I had some sort of pre-built expectation that they were going to be anything other than what they are. But I do think that at some point, the band lost that creative spark to keep pushing forward and started to emulate themselves when it was convenient and also to emulate what all of the other popular trends are. And maybe they've been doing that from the entire time and I just didn't notice it, but uh, it's hard not to see it now with it all kind of laid out in front of me. Do I think that Skillet is a good band? Yes. I think John Cooper is one of the best vocalists, rock vocalists out there today. Um, I think he can do no wrong in that regard. But I definitely don't, I don't feel like Skillet ever latched on to what their full potential was yet. They could still do it. They just haven't done it yet. I think Skillet is a band with purpose, and that purpose is very clear. I think they have multiple tries at popular sounds along the way. And they could do most of them exclusively and they'd be very successful at that it's surprising to me that they are as successful as they are in 2020 having changed their style so many times but i think 
their fans are on board for the reason that the band exists. They're appealing to a very specific audience and you, whoever you are. Skillet is a ministry-focused band. They play music, and they are trying to appeal to you. That is what they're here for. I'm not going to judge the band's discography on that. I think when it works, it's entertaining. I think when it falls short, it's not even tolerable. It's, I never have to listen to this song again, and there's too much of that for me personally to listen to this band on an ongoing basis. I think anyone that hasn't listened to the self-titled album needs to go back and give that one a serious listen because with the exception of Collide, it's the only album that 100% stands on its own and Collide comes very close. Can I tell everyone to go listen to Skillet? I unfortunately cannot, but give them a chance. They might be for you. Damn, what's your album of the week? I don't think this should come as a shock to anybody, but it is once again The Well-Intentioned Virus by Zayo. It's 2021, guys. We're going to get a new Zayo album this, this year. It's done. I know it's done, and I can't wait to hear it. For me, I went through the collection and made a list of records I own I have not listened to in the past year. And I've made it a goal for 2021 to re-listen to those records. I bought them for a reason. This week, it was $3 bill, y'all. Nice. My favorite era of Limp Biscuit, The one that sounds just angry all the time. And yet I'm having so much fun. <laughs> Take us out, DFT. If you were listening to this podcast and you would like to reach out to us to... Tell us a band to talk about, a band that you want us to interview on Discuss Metal. Send us an email, show at gmail.com. You can reach out to us on Facebook at facebook.com slash discography discussion. You can tweet at us at Discuss Metal. You can join our Discord server. There's a link in the show notes that'll take you right to our Discord server where you can ask us questions directly. If you want to represent discography discussion out on the street, we have a Teespring store set up with all kinds of sweet merch with our logo blathered all over it. Uh, there'll be a link in the show notes for that as well, but definitely do not ever feel nervous about reaching out to us. We love talking to you guys and hearing what you want us to do on the show. And on that note, this has been episode 203 of discography discussion. Thank you for listening. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at discuss metal. Subscribe to our podcast everywhere. You listen to podcasts, including Google play, Apple podcasts and stitcher. Visit DiscussMetal.com for all things discography discussion. And please send questions and comments to DanAndJoeShow at gmail.com. If you are not a patron, you can become one at Patreon.com forward slash DiscussMetal. We have some sweet perks. Hey, Joe, can I have some money? One dollar a month gets you into that exclusive album review feed. The only chance is not to waste your life. Have hope and have no fear. Walks by your side 